Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. All right, how we doing, guys? Good morning. My name is John Maroos. I'm the lead pastor. If you are visiting with us, is it snowing outside? It's, it's, it's here, isn't it? It's winter time. Hey, let me give you a couple of quick things, and then I want to dive right into uh, the sermon today. Man, I, this sermon is led by God, and somebody here is going to have a breakthrough. I can feel it already. I do want to say hi to our live stream, uh, YouTube and Facebook, Frontline Online, our online family. What's up, you guys? Everyone raise a, raise, raise a hand, wave to them. There you go. We see you out there. Um, we had a little hiccup with the save a seat. So if you didn't get in this week, I'm sorry. The German government pumped the brakes and then they hit green again. So we got a little messy there. So uh, we will see you next week or soon. But a couple of quick things, you guys. Did everybody get one of these really cool cards? Hold it up if you got it. Come on. This is a sleepy service. I can already tell. You know I win these services. Hold it up for me. Nobody got these? The thing I'm holding my hand, Danny. All right, let me just talk to you. It's going to be one of these mornings. Okay, so we worked really hard on this for you. These are cards that our greeting ministry was supposed to hand to every person that came in. And uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's a little payback. I got some principals who are paying me back for the years of being a bad student. Don't worry about it. Get one of these on the way out. And I love having fun with you guys. And what we did is we made up this card. It says, here and strong. And with a world that is um, neither here nor there right now, we are telling you that we are here and we are strong. And we got some great things going on uh, in October, November, and December. They're on the back of these cards. So you have some consistency in a world gone mad. So grab one of these on your way out. And also... Um, I want to invite you out to our Wednesday gathering, Wednesday gathering, and we had a great night last Wednesday. How many of you guys were there last Wednesday? It's like a different group every week. That was a beautiful night. I'm just teasing you guys about the car. Don't, don't quit on me, okay? You know, you guys are amazing. Um, it's your weekends, and you get to relax a little bit, okay? But I want to invite you out this Wednesday. Um, it's our way of just saying we love you, and uh, we provide a, a dinner for you as well. Again, just so you guys can relax in a hectic world, come in and eat, get your bellies full. And uh, I want to talk to you this Wednesday about Jesus and politics. And I'm, I'm entitling this right now from the spirit of Jesus, whose side is he on? And you know by now, I don't talk about politics in church. So you know I'm going to give this a totally different spin. And so I want to show you how Jesus would deal with the mob 
and the political pressure and the hope for the world. So come on out, save your seat on our website, and it's going to be a real good discussion and a real good night. Make sure you come in calm. Amen. Amen. Talking about Jesus and political craziness. All right, go to Matthew chapter four. I'm, I'm thrilled about this message. I think these aren't messages anymore. These are spiritual experiences that I'm having, and I'm not, I'm not selfishly giving them to you. I just realized that if I'm going through some things, YouTube, Facebook, you guys are too. If I'm struggling with something and I'm having breakthroughs, you're probably on the same path as I am. And I had another really radical breakthrough. It's amazing what happens in our village, Danny. Uh, we have a lot of frontliners in our village, you know. And it's amazing what happens on the top of our hill on those trails. I see you guys. I see people from our village who are in frontline all the time. And we just walk with God. We pray to God. And uh, I had another breakthrough on those trails this week. And I'm going to share it with you because I know you need it as well. We're in this series called Stranger Things And I've entitled this, take a picture of this, I've entitled this, Waiting in the Wilderness, Waiting in the Wilderness, take a picture of this, and uh, I want you to pray through this and let the Lord speak to you about this today. And really what I want to talk to you about, and I found out another place that the, the enemy attacks this week, and that's what this series is about, spiritual warfare, how the... The fallen world, how Satan and how his demons are attacking us to keep us from thriving with God. And I know you call it a marital problem, and I know you call it a fight, and I know, it's you, I know you call it a husband or a wife or the teen years or a little baby who's got a blue room who just showed up a few months ago or work or finances or anxiety. Yeah. I, know we, I know we call it that. But what if I told you behind it, I didn't say your husband's satanic or your boss. Don't go, don't go to work tomorrow and say, my pastor said you're satanic. But what if good things are being impacted by a fallen world to make them rattle you? That's the series. And one of the places that I realize I'm being attacked right now, and I want to free you from it because the Holy Spirit has freed me from it. Is how the enemy attacks us in the waiting. Yeah. I say, is this on? I said in the waiting, guys. In the waiting. I realize I'm waiting. And I'm an A-type. I know you know that by now. I don't sit still well. And uh, I like A-types. The artistic people I struggle with a little bit more. Because you're all patient. And I need more of you in my life. But I realize that I'm having some problems right now in the waiting. But I, I realize it's not just COVID and it's not just ambition. Those are stage names for a spiritual attack on me. It's really in the waiting that Satan is messing with my spirits. But let me first just unpack this in case you're still wondering about the spiritual worlds. And if you are, I would go back to, to part one of this series, and I break this down biblically, that a third of the angels fell from a heaven, and they're now called demons, and they are solely, their sole purpose is to keep you from Christ. Yeah. And if you're here and you're not a believer, or you're watching online, I know this may feel a little intense, but actually this is the way an atheist at 20 years old came to Jesus Christ. This started putting my little West Coast scientific mind, it started putting the pieces together, 
And I started realizing there's no way to understand what's happening in my life outside of a spiritual world. The spiritual world is out there. Let me show you how powerful this world is. I showed up to our Wednesday gathering last week, and uh, the KMC was orange. It was orange. I don't mean fall colors, guys. I mean COVID colors. In this assembly that we call Frontline, this church was going to be cut in a third to gather to hear around the word of God and to worship our God. And being the A-type I am, I'm not okay with that. And knowing that we need Christ, I'm not okay with that. And so I was looking at the laws, and I was hoping that I could get Merkel on the phone, and she doesn't know who I am, and she ain't going to talk to me. So I wasn't sure what to do about this. And then I realized that maybe this isn't just a color. Maybe this is a fight. And so we showed up Wednesday night. Do you guys remember this? We showed up Wednesday night, and what did we do? We prayed that thing down. It wasn't planned. I showed up here, and I felt so moved by the Holy Spirit, realizing these aren't fall colors. These are COVID colors, and they're trying to keep us away from Christ. And and I'm okay with trying to be safe. Don't get me wrong. But I realized how bad we need the Lord right now and the Spirit to move. So I got up here, and I was ready to teach. And the Spirit of the Lord, you ever felt that? The Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I, I just felt called to pray. And we just started praying, guys. We just took our time and we started praying. I went home that night and we were yellow. I woke up the next day and we were back to white. The church was back open. I do not equate that to simply health and science. I equate that to my God hearing my voice as a son and breaking into this world and actually doing something about the spiritual fights. We are told, guys, that we're just the activity of carbon and proteins. We live a while and we die. And it simply does not explain things as basic as emotion. It doesn't explain so much in our world that now things like cognition therapy, which many of you work in, Things like quantum physics, we're starting to realize this physical world, even in a non-Christian realm, is not all there is. Like a non-Christian world is saying, we simply have cheated our understanding of reality by just saying the material world is all there is. Now, they won't admit what it is. That's okay. They won't admit what it is, but they have yielded to the idea that there is something else going on and that is the only way to explain humanity. Dr. Despana, who was a French physicist, a brilliant man, said these words, science can only probe so far into what is real and there's a veiled reality that will always elude us and I just want to add to that as much as I expect his brilliance It's not going to always elude us. We can tap into it through the word of God and the spirit of Jesus. And so you may be asking yourself, why is this important? Because we've all written our story. And it often gets disrupted by an unseen world. 
I mean, all of us are off script right now. Not one of you said, hey, when I graduate high school, I don't want to walk. I want to be stuck in Europe, and I want to have this thing, COVID, ruling over me. There's not a teacher in our church who's like, yes, homeschool, this is, I just, 2020, I just, I'm praying for chaos. The script is off now. This is messed with marriages. This is messed with mental health. And we've got to understand the unseen world because it's the only way to create some understanding of the situation that we're all in. And so while you've written your story, while you have written it down in your minds on what you want to be and what it should look like, let me help you with something, guys. So has God's. God has written your story. But listen to me. So is the devil. The devil has too. And there is a battle for you. There is a battle to drag you into his story. And there's a battle to drag you into his story. And the only way we're going to understand what story to move towards is by unveiling the battle. So I found another battlefield this week. And I was caught in it. And I was getting my butt kicked. Because it's an unseen field of warfare. And I couldn't understand what was going on until the spirit of the Lord, until I had to get away on our fields, you know, on our hills. And I started seeking the Lord's face again. And I started saying, Lord, why do I feel this way in my head? Why am I feeling this way in my emotions? I'm supposed to control my emotions. My emotions are not supposed to control me. What's going on here? And so I want to show you what the spirit of the Lord revealed to me this week. I want to show you another battlefield. And one of the places, I want you to write this down, one of the places that Satan attacks us is in the waiting. So go to Matthew chapter four, kick back to chapter three. We'll throw these verses up here. You guys good? I'm gonna make you wait for a minute. (laughs) Satan's not in this place, but I'm gonna teach you patience. Waiting. Waiting, waiting, watching the beach ball of death on your Mac, waiting. Some of you will get that in a minute. The three dots from hell when you're waiting for the text to go through, waiting. We hate waiting. Church is an hour and 14 minutes because we hate waiting. What is in the waiting? God is in the waiting. The man who would know God must give him time. But I want to establish a few things about the waiting and what God is trying to do in your life. Let's establish this first. I know there's many backgrounds in this room from Methodist to Catholic to Baptist to Pentecostal, and yet we're not killing each other. So let's establish this first. There's many ideas of what God wants to do in your life. There's many theologies floating around out there, but many of you have been lied to. I wanna show you first and foremost, God wants to take you places to awaken you to more of himself. That is the number one will of God in your life. To awaken more of you to himself, to make you less and less asleep to awaken you to the things of the spirit. I could say it like this. 
to strip us from the things of this world. I, I, I'm fearful a bit of the, the teaching that God wants to bless us and stack us with so much materialism. Like that's why the son came and was slaughtered. I think he blesses us. He blesses many of you. And I believe one of the gifts of the spirit is the gift of wealth. That's why many of us don't have it. We can't handle it. That's a spiritual gift. And many of you have that. And God uses you to bless the church. I get, I get all that. But I want you to understand, Jesus Christ was slaughtered on the cross to make us new people first and foremost. To make us into the image of his son. What good is it It does not glorify him if we're down here and we're loaded up with comforts and we're loaded up with wealth, yet we don't glorify him because our hearts don't match his. It doesn't work. And so the number one reason Christ died is to save us and transform us into the image of himself. The hard part is the way in which he does this work because he often does it in the most unusual ways. Anybody with me? Like, I wish I could just read my Bible and just be changed. I wish I could like sit on the beach, if there was one here, and just like meditate, and like he would just change me. And I actually think he does use those things. I think he uses blessings, and I think he uses babies, and I think he uses friends, and he definitely uses the church as he speaks through us, and he uses the spirit, and he uses worship, he uses all these things. But one of the ways in which he, he uses or he works is by taking us into the waiting. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 16. Some of you guys are in this. I'm so excited for the Spirit to awaken you to this truth. Some of you guys are living in this right now. And it's going to make so much sense when you leave here. Look at verse 16. Look at the unusual way in which God deals with his son who is our primary example, which means if Christ is going to go through this, then we're going to go through this. Verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, there he is in the Jordan River. Many of you have been there. He comes out of the water immediately. He went up from the water and behold, just like, behold, look at that word. Don't miss this. The heavens we're open to him. God's dimension was cut like a knife. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. It was not a dove, but there was this movement maybe of light. I don't know. There was this presence that began to come down in the most radical movement that has not ever been seen in this world, but it lands on Jesus and it rests on Jesus. Look at verse 17. And behold, like, don't look at your phone right now. Behold, you need to get this. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It is like the father stamped the son for all to hear, this is him. This is the savior. You've been waiting for this one. I just, I put my mark on him. He's the beloved one. He's the son. Don't forget that. We're going to come back to that. He's the son, the savior. Now, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus is about to have a good 12 months. Because when Jesus, when, when God saves you, everything is easy, right? 
It's about to get easy right now, right? The Lord wants to ease us. God wants to bless us. God wants to rest us. But that's not the only way God works. So look at verse chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Mark's gospel, if I could add it, it would, it would sound like this. Then immediately, immediately, right after the blessing, immediately Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness? I don't even get that. Like, the way I write the Bible would be like this. That's why I don't write the Bible. Okay. The Spirit of God just said, John's saved now. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's forgiven in Christ. I get 12 months of blessing and ease. I get a thousand new Twitter followers that week. And Satan, after 30 days, Satan then doesn't draw me into the wilderness. He just draws me into the field and he messes with me a little bit. But it actually says that immediately after the blessing, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And I'm just looking at this going, wow, we've got God wrong. We don't get God. And I just want to slow down a minute. I just want to look at me, you guys. Everyone look up here. Some of you are in the wilderness right now. And some of you have been led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And we've got to make some semblance of this. We've got to make some, some peace with this and understand why the Spirit would lead us into the wilderness. And it may not be the ascent of blood, which is where Jesus went. The, how's that for a vacation spot? The ascent of blood. That's the hood. Now, maybe it's not a craggy desert area filled with wild animals with no, no life, no vegetation or no water. But maybe the wilderness right now is a marriage. Maybe it's singleness. Maybe it's high school. That's purgatory, but maybe it's... No, I'm just kidding. I'm still working through high school a little bit right now, still trying to heal. Um, but maybe it's... I don't know what your wilderness is. But some of us are in the wilderness. I've been in the wilderness. For me, it's just COVID and this precious thing called you, the church. I was in paradise before COVID, just watching you guys transform as your pastor. I stand up here weeping every Sunday, just watching marriages come to life and people come to Jesus for style. I was just, it was crazy. And COVID has stripped so much of that away from me. And so I realized the last two months, that I've been waiting in the wilderness. I've been waiting to see you guys again. I've been waiting to see the miracles again. But for every one of us, it's something different. We're waiting in the wilderness. And if you look at Isaiah 45, verse 7, I want to teach you a little bit about God because there are confusions about our God and why God would ever do something like this. And I'll throw it up here. It's a very unusual statement because the children of Israel were going through a lot. And certainly God is not in that trial, right? Yet God says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And I wrestle with that because I, I didn't think the wilderness was from the Lord. I didn't think the craggy ascent of blood was from the Lord. But the Lord says, John, I'm not putting you there to hurt you. I'm putting you there to change you. 
It's not a penalty because you are still my beloved son. It's a gift of grace, although it's uncomfortable because it's making you like my son. The wilderness is a hard place, but we got to understand why God would put us in that place. And it's to transform us into the image of his son, which is the greatest thing we could ever have. Amen. Amen, Facebook. It's quiet out there, Facebook. Because I'm staring at a camera. I know you're there. We too are often driven into the wilderness. And the reason in which God does it, this is not an attack on you, but I need to explain this. He often drags us into the wilderness, whether it's the loss of a job or even the loss of a spouse or loss of comfort or the gaining of something like they now call me mommy. Sometimes, guys, we are all, including this man in front of you, we are consumed by the things of this world. And I think sometimes we're consuming ourselves to death. It's just, it's just the way it is being human. We get these messages that here's what you need and here's what you need and here's what you need. They're not bad things, but they're not ultimate things. I told you this last week. They can't heal the soul. And so sometimes I forget that my greatest need is Jesus. And I, I think my greatest need are these physical things, good things, but I think they're going to complete me. And so what Jesus does is he watches me in his grace and he speaks to me through the spirit and the word and says, John, don't lose your first love. You're starting to wander a little bit. And I think of the old hymn, prone to wander. Yes, Lord, I need you. Prone to wander the one I love. And so we start to wander as these sheep. I wish he would have used a different animal. Sheep. But we wander and we need, sometimes we need the shepherd's staff to, to lead us, sometimes we need the shepherd's rod to kind of whack us a little bit. And so sometimes I, I forget that I, I'm more than physical, I'm spirit, I'm spiritual, and I need the things of the spirit, not the things of the earth. But I start accumulating from the messages of the world the things of the earth because I'm, I'm physical and I'm down here. And pretty soon I start straying. And so what Jesus does is he goes, hey, John, let's detox. Let's go to the wilderness. And I fight. I say, Lord, no, no, I get it, Lord. No, no, I'll take care of it a different way. I'm good. I'll join a small group. I'll do my, I'll read the Bible more. And he says, John, trust my hands. Come on. And like a little kid, he drags me. <laughs> drags me. God creates wilderness cycles. He creates wilderness cycles. He blesses us. We begin to love the blessing more than the blesser. And then he takes us in the wilderness to remind us he's our soul satisfaction. We come out focused again. He blesses us. We forget him. <laughs> he pulls us back into the wilderness. I call it a wilderness cycle. And, and sometimes, guys... We have to be starved to feast on the one that can fill us. And if you look at Psalm 63, verse 3, the word on the street is that the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. Like just experiencing the love of God, just experiencing worship, just experiencing the church, 
Just experiencing Jesus' patience show up in me. Jesus' forgiveness showing up in me. Just walking with Jesus is better than living life. It's better than anything this life could give me. It's better than sex or money or a thousand followers on Facebook or anything else that is good. The steadfast, that's what we need. But I forget that. And so sometimes he's got to starve me. And so he takes us to the wilderness to transform us. But, but here's the move. Listen to me now very carefully. This is where Satan hunts. This is where he hunts. This is his hunting grounds. And what Satan does is he watches Jesus climb the ascent of blood into a desert area and fast for 40 days. And if you think that is beyond human ability... I just read in a book on the IRA hunger strike that a man fasted 63 days. And this is the son of God. Satan has watched Jesus as our model sit there for 40 days, fasting and starving his body to prepare himself for an awesome ministry, to prepare himself to change the world's. And God has some of you in the same place. He's got you in a desert place, a wilderness place, and he's stripping you of the things of the world to prepare you for greatness, to prepare you for a great calling. And it's amazing because Satan, to me, he waits for day 40. He didn't show up just on day 40. He, Facebook, he waited for day 40. When Jesus is hungry, he's weak, his, his flesh is tired, his spirit is strong, but he's robed in flesh, he's being tempted. Satan, I, I see Satan just like this, like a lion. Day, day 23, not yet. He's strong. Day 31, not yet. Holding back the demons, not yet. 32. Yeah, he's getting there. 35. He's on his face now. Day 40 hits. He's been watching. Look at Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He shows up. He shows up to tempt Jesus. Now understand what's going on here. Adam went through the same battle, did he not, in the book of Genesis? Did he not? Did he not tangle with the devil? Did Eve not tangle with the devil and they lost? The second Adam has come and put himself in the same fight to repair what Adam and Eve did in the first garden. He says, this time I'm going to beat you, Satan, and I'm going to bring these kids back and make them children of God. But it's also a lesson for us who are being dragged into the wilderness so God can change us. Not only is God there with you in the wilderness to change you, but Satan knows you're getting tired in the wilderness, and that's the place where he wants to hunt you when you're weak. Look at verse 2. And after fasting 40 days... And 40 nights, he was hungry. I just need to declare that is the overstatement of Scripture. Verse 3. 
And the tempter came. And look at this attack, my friends. And said to him, if you are the son of God, I think he came to him in a thought. I can't prove that. But I think he just came to him in a thought. You know how it is when you're in the wilderness. Those thoughts start moving through your head. You say, where are these coming from? If you're the son of God, if God is your father, why are you dying here? If God is your father, why hasn't he shown up yet? How long are you going to wait for this father? At what point are you going to take this into your own hands? Huh? If you are the son of God, where is your father? And to a Jew, a father not taking care of his children was an absolute disgrace. And what he's doing is kicking him back to Matthew 3, verse 17. He's literally saying, didn't God just say you're his beloved son and he's pleased with you? If God was, if God was your father and you were really his child, he would take care of you. It's been 40 days. Do it yourself. And that's what he said to me. The waiting. And here's the temptation. God is not coming through for you. So make it happen your way yourself. I call it my mirage moment. Because it's hot. And Jesus is no doubt lightheaded. And his mind, because you got to remember he's limited in a human body. Although he's God, he's limited. He got tired and things like that. You can see his head swimming. A mirage moment. Like me, I start visualizing like, how long have I prayed for God to deliver me? How long have I prayed for God to make this thing happen? And, and, and why do I all of a sudden have the plan in my head? Where did the plan come from? That if I just take it on myself, I even got three and a half steps. I even got plan A, B through D. So all here locked in. Where did that come from? That came in 10 seconds. I like to, I, and then I'll do some self-manipulation. That must have been from the Lord. I can get out of the wilderness right now. One decision. I'm one decision away from getting out of the wilderness. And look at what he says at the end of verse three. He goes like this. If God was your father, you would not be left this long. So why don't you take it in your own hands and why don't you command these stones to become loaves of bread? You have the ability, you have the power within your own being to take what's in front of you, manipulate it, stop waiting on the one who says he cares for you, do it your way and you could end this suffering now. Do it. If he would have done it, Jesus would become the slave of Satan. That is a dirty fight. And I wonder if Jesus was projecting back. Obviously, God doesn't care about carbs. Bread, honey, milk. Bread, honey, milk. Love the Bible. But you got to think that Jesus was probably thinking about his life when he grew up. And he could smell hot bread baking. The comforts of home. 
It's such a dirty fight. You know, when we're in the wilderness, he does the same with us, doesn't he? He says, you're one decision away. Remember what it was like when you were single? Remember what it was like when you were in a relationship? Remember what it was like when you had them new clothes, that new car, all those people around you? I know you're off of Facebook so you could walk with Jesus, but remember what it was like when 63 likes hit? You're one decision away to finding that comfort again. I believe Satan was saying, and let me just say this, guys. I wrote this down. I shared this with my wife. This is such a hard temptation because we naturally want to be filled, not fathered. As human beings, we want to be filled. We want to be comfortable. And oftentimes the transformation, which is what we really need in our singleness or in our marriage or whatever it is, comes through being fathered. And so I think Satan is just telling Jesus, you're one choice away. You can end all this discomfort. It's right there. Do it. The waiting can be over. He's not coming. And I caught him. I caught him this week. But I love what Jesus does. He says, there's a danger in escaping the wilderness. Because God uses trials to do certain things to us that, guys, cannot be done any other way. And if you look at Matthew 4, 4, but he answered, and this is more than just memorizing a Bible verse. This is understanding the God of the Bible verse. He answered, it is written. It is written. Cracked lips, swollen tongue, parched skin. I think he swivels his head with as much strength as he can muster. And he looks for Satan and he says, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone. I don't just need sex. I don't just need popularity. I don't just need to be right. I don't just need wealth. I'm more than that. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In essence, I have something else that needs to be filled right now. I've got a deeper hunger. I'm more than appetites. I'm spirit, and I need him. Jesus refuses Satan's temptation, not because he doesn't like comforts, but because he wants God more than anything. I had that moment this week. I realized I'm in the wilderness right now. I'm with you guys. But what I need right now more than anything is the wilderness. Because I have found God afresh in the wilderness. And what my church needs more than me is the man that God is going to create in the wilderness when I come back out. And it's the same for you. So let me encourage you this morning. We got you, Satan. We got you. If God has you in the wilderness, he's trying to get you to see 
You don't need that thing right now. You need him. And I remind you from the words of Jesus, we are in the wilderness because we are, because we are his children in whom he is still well pleased. So much the so that he wants all of our hearts. Let me encourage you. Let the wilderness do its work. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.